afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board today. Thank you for being a part of the Out Loud family. Here we're shining the light of truth on the educational landscape throughout the country. Sometimes uh, shining the light of truth just gets, um, ah, man, because you just see stuff. And it just it, it it's just everywhere, you know, lurking in the dark. And sometimes it's just it's just bad policy. Sometimes it's just a, a fad, and it's it, it's a craze. Uh, take tech technology for example. I don't know that technology is a fad or a craze, but it's always the latest thing, the latest thing in education. That you know what what kind of technology are you using? Uh, and, and you, you know, you see these seminars on on technology in the classroom and how to how to use technology and you know blah 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 blah. It's a good thing, you know. Technology, we're happy that that we have it. Uh, it's you know, it gives us, uh, it can give us you know, skills. I, you know, I, I remember being, uh, I don't know four or five, maybe six. So my oldest sister, I'm I'm the baby of five. My oldest sister, Davine, is 13 years older than me. And so by the time I was four or five, six, you know, she's she's an adult. And uh she would uh you know she was kind of like a second mom. You know, I remember, you know, she taught me how to tie my shoes. And I'd come home from kindergarten and Davine would be there and you know she would um, you know, she'd make me lunch. I mean, it was kind of like she was a second mom to me. But I remember being little, and she'd be at the the kitchen table, and, she, and she'd be looking at a paper, and she'd have the typewriter in front of her, and and she'd be typing, not looking at the typewriter, but looking at at the paper, reading off from the paper, and she just got fingers of fury, tapity tapity tap tap tap. And I remember sitting there just being enamored, just in awe at how in the world can she type without looking at uh, at what she's actually doing? You know, her fingers are doing their own thing while she's over here reading off from the paper. And I remember asking her, how, how can you type without looking? I, I just can. That was her answer. I just can. Uh, you know, but she could do a lot of things. She was talented. She could play the piano beautifully and uh, you know, so I just thought, well, I mean, she's, you know, I kind of had her on this this pedestal. Uh, when when I got older, you know, the older I got, I'm in, you know, 11th, 12th grade now in high school, and I've kind of lost that wonder. I don't have that 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 same wonder that I had uh, as a, as a four or five, six year old. And you know, I I'm going to this small little you know private school, and I think my senior year, they introduced typing as an elective. Uh, and you know, one of my teachers came up to me and said, you know, you should really consider uh, taking the typing class. And I'm like, why would I do that? I mean, typing is for girls. I, I don't I don't need to type. You know, I had completely lost that that awe and wonder that I had watching my sister Damien type, you know, with fingers of fury. And she, my, my my teacher, however, convinced me. She said, you, you really need to do it. This is an important skill. 
this is a, a skill that could really help you. Uh, computers were just starting to, you know, you know, become the the thing. Uh, you know, personal computers were were just starting to happen. I mean, this is you know the the mid eighties, and you know, so she she convinced me to to take the class. I'm like, okay, all right. I guess maybe you know maybe typing could be a skill that I could learn that you know could come in handy. I took the class. I fell in love with it. Uh, turns out uh, typing runs in the family, and I also had fingers of fury. Uh, I was topping the class. Uh, you know, with just in a, in a couple of weeks of class, I'm typing sixty words per minute without error. Yes, that's right. Pretty pretty proud of that stat. And my teacher was, you know, she was, you know, impressed and was always, you know, verbally reinforcing. And it was just a good experience. So, the, and this was this new technology, you know, computers were were fairly new, fairly recent. And I was learning this, this great, fantastic skill. And it's a skill that I've, you know, I've used over the years. And I love that I can I can sit down and, and just type. And I don't need someone to type it for me. I can just sit down and do it myself with fingers of fury. Uh, but we we, we kind of get to a point with technology where education just takes it. And they just run with it. And they want technology to, to, to do everything. And it becomes the latest and greatest. Uh, and in, in this move for technology to become the latest and greatest, oftentimes we we miss out on on just the good old days. You know, we miss out on on the skills that we're we're no longer using because technology has taken over. Uh, in the in um, I'm looking at this article here, and it's very very interesting. It's short, but it's interesting. Epic Times um, has put this article together, and it's called Study Finds Handwriting Increases Brain Connectivity. At the end of the article, uh, it, it talks about uh, cursive writing and how it, it, it left. And the reason it left, you know, many public schools uh, is because of the, the common core standards that were introduced in 2010. Uh, the you know the standards, of course, when Common Core came out, everybody, you know, at least those of us on the right went through the roof. It was you know everyone's doing the same thing. It's uh, you know it takes away the individuality of of school boards and, and the local community and choosing curriculum, and it was just this big deal. Well, one of the elements of Common Core is that it uh, explicitly referenced learning keyboard skills in elementary grades, specifically grades three through five, that the students had to learn keyboard skills. Now, I'm I'm all for students learning keyboard skills. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, when we started Waterbrook, it would have been the fall of 07. And I remember that year having a, you know, we only went to the sixth grade, so I just have, you know, elementary students. And I remember, you know, bringing them in and teaching them how to, how to type. We had a we we had a keyboard class. I had first graders in there. <laughs> Mr. Bowen, I can't do this. Of course you can do it. I mean, just here's here's how you do it. And I would just teach them how to type. I mean, those kids came out of that class knowing how to type. I just felt like it was an important skill. Uh, you know, Common Core, however, 
you know, and they're explicitly, you know, wanting elementary students to to learn keyboarding skills. They they did it at the expense of other things. Uh, the standards uh, required fourth graders to type a full page in one sitting. As a result, cursive was largely abandoned in most school districts. You know, so at the at the the the, the sake of of keyboarding in in these elementary grades, there were things that were lost. Now at Waterbrook, when I introduced keyboarding, we did not lose cursive handwriting. It it was it was still right where it was, front and center. But I just wanted to teach the you know the kids these these keyboarding skills. Well, Common Core, when they introduced it, they replaced one with the other. And I don't know if that was intended, or if it was just um, a natural occurrence. You know, trying to squeeze another thing in into the school day. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you could say it was an intended if Marxists were in charge because, you know, Marxists want as little education as possible. Well, Dean, keyboarding is education. Yeah, I know, but it's not the same as as, as handwriting, as this article here uh, will will describe. So when Common Core says, you know, you've got to learn keyboarding skills in elementary school. And at the fourth grade, as a matter of fact, you've got to type a full page in one sitting. Well, uh, you know, the result is there's no time for for handwriting. There's no time for cursive. Cursive was largely abandoned. Um, so this article talks about the importance of handwriting and the, how this new study out of uh, Norway finds that handwriting increases brain connectivity more than typing, All right? So this is good information. If you're a homeschool parent, uh, this is good information for you. If you're a public school parent, this is good information for you because, uh, you, you know, maybe you can, you can assign some writing. I don't know if your kids are going to do it or not. Uh, if, if you had Ben Carson's mom, you know, she had him, you know, going to the library in Detroit and, you know, bringing home a book and reading it and then writing handwriting a book report that she would look over and mark up, even though she couldn't read and he didn't know that. <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories of all time. So I don't know, parents, if you, you know, can assign your child a book report, read this book and then write me up. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Are your kids going to listen? Maybe. I don't know. I don't mean to meddle. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to meddle in your uh, in your parental relationships. Uh, in our digital age, the article says laptops and smartphones have become appendages for students and professionals alike. It's true. That is a true statement. Although they are not appendages on the students here. No, we just we collect the phones, hand them in. Matter of fact, the other day. The other day, I went into the office, and the phone box was was looking pretty light. You know, at the beginning of the year, it's full. Every slot has a phone in it. Well, the other day, like, you know, over, over two-thirds of the slots are empty. So I start going down the classrooms, and I said, you know, hey, how come the phone box is so empty? Going to the 11th grade room. Mr. Bowen, I'm telling you, our, our, either we left our phones at home, they said, I don't have my phone today, or I left it in, in my car, because, you know, some of them drive to school. I said, so you're telling me 
Not a single student in this classroom has a phone on them, on their person. Uh, yep, yep, that's that's what we're telling you. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for it. But mm, mm, heaven forbid if I find a phone in their, you know, if I see them pull out a phone, it is over. Uh, so we we don't want the phones to be uh, appendages. New research suggests we may want to take a break uh, from all that typing. A recent study from Norway found that the old school art of handwriting engages parts of the brain that tapping on a keyboard does not. Well, go figure. Really? Yeah. The intricate movements involved in handwriting activate more regions of the brain associated with learning than typing does. New study published in Frontiers in, in Psychology and led by Audrey Vandermeer, a neuroscience researcher at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, examined the differences between handwriting and typing. Ms. Vandermeer and her team analyzed the neural networks involved in both activities to uncover their respective impacts on brain connectivity. This stuff fascinates me. I love it. I love it when when researchers take the time to find out what's going on in the brain during a particular activity. You know, handwriting versus typing. This is the kind of stuff that I just, I'm in. I'm all in on this. Uh, quote, we show that when writing by hand, brain connectivity patterns are far more elaborate than when typewriting on a keyboard, she said in a press statement. Such widespread brain connectivity is known to be crucial for memory formation and for encoding new information, and therefore is beneficial for learning. So does that mean we shouldn't type? No. No, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't type. I mean, typing is a great skill to have. It just means don't let typing replace the handwriting. Still, still get out a pen, still get out a pencil, still get out a legal pad or some form of paper and, and start writing, make notes, do some journaling, write a report, put down your thoughts, allow that brain connectivity to happen. The researchers use high density electroencephalograms, EEGs as they are known, to collect data from 36 university students. Participants were prompted to either write or type words displayed on a screen by pressing keys with one finger. So it looks like their typing was more of the, the hunt and peck method. My method, however, is fingers of fury. I mean, those, those fingers go in the home row and, and I am gone. I wonder if that's different. If the, if the hunt and peck method uh, or you know if, if the, the the fingers of fury method highlight and engage the brain more than hunt and peck. See, I'm I'm interested in that. I think we need to take that study to another level. I, I I'm sure it's probably not the same as handwriting. I mean, I would think that 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 just engages everything on all cylinders. I could be wrong. Miss Vandermeer continues. Our main finding is that writing by hand is excellent brain stimulation for people of all ages. Writing on a touch screen with a digital pen yielded more neural network activity versus typing on a keyboard, she added. The more connections in the brain during a task, the more the brain is used to its full potential. Mm. 
so let's start writing again. Uh, the meticulous letter formation and precise movements of handwriting substantially boost the brain's connectivity patterns involved in learning, according to Ms. Vandermeer. This implies that the benefits observed with digital pens may also apply to traditional pens and paper. All right, so it sounds like this study was done via the digital pen to the digital notepad. So, I mean, why wouldn't it apply to traditional pens and paper? I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, you're going through the same hand movement. You're you're writing out the same letters. Does it matter what, what you're holding and what you're actually writing it on? I mean, you could probably take your finger and write in the dirt, drop to a knee and, and pull a Jesus and just start scribbling in the dirt. I mean, you know, it's it's the the activity of of the hand producing what the brain is telling it to produce, you know, form these letters, make these words, write these sentences. It's this, um, it's this full brain connectivity, which makes me think if you put your fingers on the home row and you start typing fingers of fury, there's probably more connectivity there happening between the brain and the finger. Uh, fingers than there would just by doing the hunt and peck method. Now, I'm not saying don't write. I'm definitely right. I mean, do it. Um, in contrast, repetitive key tapping of typing was less mentally stimulating. Oh, okay. Repetitive key tapping is less mentally stimulating than actually taking that pencil, putting it in your fingers, and going after it. I love it. This is the kind of stuff that uh, that I'm I'm deeply interested in. But I'm up against the break. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health to reducing the appearance of wrinkles and even improving mind, mood, and energy make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Out Loud family. We are happy to have you on board. We're discussing what I find to be a very fascinating article uh, in, in this study out of Norway. They've discovered that handwriting increases brain connectivity over uh, typing. You know, you know, when in doubt, uh, use pen and paper. That's the moral of the story. Uh, this article is quoting... Uh, a lady, a, a researcher by the name of Vandermeer, 
and Audrey Vandermeer, one of the uh, lead researchers in the study, and uh, you know she she's pointing out here. We we finished the last segment uh, with this sentence that this study implies, or, or what they're learning implies, uh, that the benefits observed with digital pens may also apply to traditional pens and paper. In contrast, repetitive key tapping of typing was less mentally stimulating. So they're doing this study with an, you know, an actual, you know, digital pen on a on a on a digital notepad. But it's it, you know, that to me is irrelevant. It's the it's the movement of the hand. It's the brain telling the hand, okay, write this letter, form this word, you know, write this, you know, compound sentence. And it, it it's that connectivity versus just typing. She pointed out this likely explains why children taught to read and write on tablets often struggle to differentiate between mirror image letters. The researchers recommend that young children receive at least some handwriting instruction. Forming letters by hand is a complex fine motor skill that challenges the young brain. No, not some. Don't just receive some handwriting instruction. Receive all the handwriting instruction, all of it, uh, you know, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, they, you know, the little guys need to to learn how to hold the pen or the pencil or the crayon, and they need to learn to put that writing utensil to paper and, and, and form that letter. They need to learn to create that fine motor skill. Children first taught via tablets also tend to have poor spelling and letter recognition, likely because they lack the motor experience of handwriting each letter. This is what uh, Vandermeer is saying. We agree. Uh, this and, and this is why even teaching cursive at you know young ages, preschool, even four or five year olds, teaching them to to write in cursive. Is beneficial for them. I mean, their their hands are, are already kind of doing those natural circle movements anyway. It, it's actually, um, uh, you know, what what we've discovered is it's actually easier for the student to learn cursive at, at that young, you know, little tender age because, you know, over because the print they got to stop and they got to you know redo it. Cursive it actually is a is a more natural movement. I'm sure there are some out there that would disagree with me. Ah, you can't make the kids do cursive. Uh, you know, in the school that, you know, Joshua and Elizabeth run when they were little, you know, as a four-year-old preschooler, you know, Joshua's, you know, coming home with, you know, writing cursive. And, you know, he developed a very nice, you know, cursive handwriting. Uh, it's It's doable. It's doable. Uh, however, the researchers, back to this article, the researchers don't advise abandoning tech. They suggest a balanced approach, using handwriting for lecture notes to optimize learning while leveraging keyboards for extensive writing tasks. All right, so this is, you know, definitely when students are older, and, and I would agree with that. I, I wouldn't abandon it. Yeah, you know, typing is a, is a fantastic skill. Don't abandon technology, the, you know, just because you want to stay old school and remain old school, but also, you know, engage in, in new technology. The findings underscore adapting teaching methods to take advantage of both traditional and digital writing tools, but one really can't take over the other. 
And, you know, the problem with Common Core and the edict it put out in 2010 uh, was it, it put so much emphasis on keyboarding that uh, cursive writing was thrown out the door. It was just, it was gone. Matter of fact, I, I remember uh, we had a, had a parent here. I guess I can tell this story because because the parents no no longer here. Uh, we, we we had a we had a parent whose whose child attended, and uh, the parent was you know someone of wealth, someone of means, and uh, he had you know said to me a couple of times, alluded to the fact that. Uh, he wanted, you know, more more keyboarding and, and more computer work to happen during the school day. That he felt like his his son wasn't getting a proper education because computers were the future, and his little guy who was in third or fourth grade needed computers, and he wasn't getting enough of them. Now, mind you, the uh, you know, the elementary students would go out, you know, one day a week for a computer class for a typing. We had a computer lab, and you know, we, you know, utilized it, but that wasn't good enough. And and he made it known to me that in other places he had donated a lot of money and he was willing to donate a lot of money to get, you know, laptops in the hands of every student that they could use during the course of the day. And I just, um, you know, that that's not the mission here. The mission here is not to um, advance, advance technology at the sake of of everything else, uh, I, I don't want the latest and, ga- and greatest gadgets in the classroom because they're the latest and, and greatest gadgets. Uh, you know, I don't want students sitting at desks staring at keyboard screens all day. No, I, I want them reading books. I want I want a pen in their hand. I want a pencil in their hand. I want notebook paper in front of them. I want them to read and write. Read and write. That doesn't mean that you don't type. I mean, I think technology needs to be involved in it. Yes, let's type. Type the big papers. You know, don't handwrite that. I don't want to read your your handwritten, you know, five-page essay. I want you to type that. So learn how to type. But I don't want your, your school days spent with you staring at a computer screen. You know, this was, you know, one of the things that, that COVID uh, brought to our attention that just staring in front of the you know the computer screen all day long is not beneficial. It just it's not healthy. Uh, you know your eyes need to be reading a book. Think of the brain connectivity that happens when you open up the book and your eyes are scanning, you know, from line to line, paragraph to paragraph, page to page. I mean, what is happening there? What you know? This is the kind of stuff that just intrigues me. I'm, I'm very interested in this in this type of functionality. What's going on in the brain? You know, when when your eyes are are decoding these words, sending the images to your brain, and then your your brain is putting it all together and 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 forming this word, uh, which you know forms this sentence in this paragraph, which then you know gives you a picture of the idea that you're reading. And then your comprehension starts setting in. I mean, that to me, that's that's beautiful. So uh, read and write. <laughs> Put a pen in your hand. Put a pen or a pencil or a crayon in your child's hand, and just let them go to town on a, on a piece of paper. 
Um, and, and, and let's have cursive writing. Let's bring it back. Now, the end of this article uh, does say, however, this trend is now reversing. And the trend they're referring to is was the exchange of of uh, computer technology keyboarding uh, to replace handwriting and, and cursive writing in schools. But in the article says this trend is reversing according to data from mycursive.com, which did you know there was a place called mycursive.com which tracks cursive writing requirements nationwide? I, I was I was not aware of that. That is good to know. According to mycursive.com, which tracks cursive writing requirements nationwide, currently 21 states mandate some form of handwriting education. That is good news. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I wish it were, it were 50 states. I wish 50 states mandated some form of handwriting education. Most recently, California passed a law in October of 2023 making cursive handwriting mandatory from first through sixth grade. Well, I I can't believe that. I cannot believe that the state of California actually passed an education law that I'm, I'm in support of. Well, it's about time. It's about time our friends in California actually passed some, some laws that, that mattered. Uh, making cursive handwriting mandatory for first through sixth grade. I, I would like to see that across the board. Uh, you know, first grade is not too early. As I said, kindergarten, preschool is not too early to uh, engage in, in cursive writing. I, I think here, I think here we start cursive in first or second grade. Now I was pushing in the early days. I was pushing for, for preschool. I said, let's, you know, let's let's start cursive in preschool. Uh, you know, the boards and the various committees here, uh, you know, over overruled that. You know, my my desire, I was I was the the lone wolf out there. Um, <clears throat> you know, all all the you know the members on the school board at the time, and um, you know, teachers in the building at the time did not, you know, they didn't want cursive writing to, to be so young, and and they had the reasons and the rationale. And it's fine, you know, but we have it. That's the point. I mean, we're never getting rid of it. We'll always have it. I just wish, you know, maybe maybe I could convince the school board to start it earlier. I mean, you know, maybe I could. Maybe I maybe I, I, I go back to that. Ultimately, it, you know, according to this article, it is an important skill that should never be replaced. Uh, you know, the fact that, just the the increase in brain activity and brain connectivity alone to me is just and you know in classical education anyway there is not there is not a strong emphasis there's not a big emphasis on on technology we use it uh, it does not dominate uh the academic life here if if you find yourself in a classical school uh, you know, you know, definitely take advantage of the technology that that is before you, but you know, become educated, learn in the old-fashioned ways. You know, actually hold a book instead of opening up, you know, your phone. Which, you know, I I've got you know book apps on my phone, 
the 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 U version uh, of the Bible is a fantastic app. Uh, you know, and a lot of times you you might go to church and you look around, and the olden days people would bring their Bibles, and the preacher would say, "Turn to Second Timothy, you know, chapter one, verse three, and you'd hear the, you know, the flipping of the pages. It doesn't happen anymore. It, you don't hear the flipping of the pages anymore. You know, you look around and you, you see the the glow of the screen that you know shines on everybody's faces. That's that you know, um, so that it's but it's it, it's a nice feature. I mean, U version is fantastic because you've got all these different translations of the Bible, um, uh, which is fun. You know, to to open up you know three or four five translations you know simultaneously and just get a different a different uh, perspective and there's you know places in there that you can take notes and and so it's it is a it's a fun technology to have but uh, you know there's just something about holding the book there's just something about feeling you know the hardcover in your hand you know as you turn the pages there's just something i don't know Majestic is that? Is that too much over the top? Uh, it, it, it's just nice, and then that that old school feel is really a part of a classical education. The old school usage of books. There is no way we're going to to tablets in the classroom. We're just you know, as long as I'm here, we're not doing it. Uh, you know, there's no way we're going to go to electronic books. You know, where the student can download the book and, and we're going to read it together right off the tablet. Not going to do it. You know, we're 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 going to hold the book in our hand. We're going to turn the pages. We're gonna we're gonna read from the page, as opposed to the to the computer screen. Again, I, I don't mean for this to be a, a technology bashing session here because I'm not about bashing technology. I love it, but I don't love it. Uh, at the cost of uh, displacing the olden ways, you know, I don't love technology to the point of of, of displacing handwriting. Uh, you know, displacing reading from a from a book. You know, it's to the point now where I've got I've got a ton of books I'm listening to, you know, via Audible and other other apps, and you know, which. You can't read a book and, and drive down the road at the same time. I mean, I guess you could. You've probably seen it done. It's not a good idea. But, you know, so if you want to take advantage of the best use of your time, then, yeah, listen to the book. You know, listen to the the audio version while you're, you know, driving down the road or mowing the lawn or, or whatever. But if you got time to just sit down and kick back, I mean, you just pull out a book. Oh, and, and and that's the way we that's the way we like to go about it. I, you know, that is really at the heart of a classical education. And I'm sure that's probably at the heart of 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 most, if not all, of of homeschool educations. It's probably, I mean, that's the heart of it. All right, little Sally, we're gonna sit down at the kitchen table and we're gonna open up a book and we're gonna go after it. I mean, and then we're gonna write a report. Uh, I mean, to me, that's just uh, that's good old fashioned, you know, speaking, reading, and, and writing, which which makes up the the heart of a good solid education, a good solid classical education. 
Uh, so I, I just, this kind of stuff in, interests me. Uh, these types of studies interest me. Um, you know, I, I love to learn about what's happening in the brain. I, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, God's creation to me, it, it, you know, I, I said to you earlier, I kind of lost that awe and wonder. Now, when I got into high school, that awe and wonder of being being able to sit and type, you know, without looking at the at the keyboard, just reading the paper and typing. Uh, and and we need to to I, I think find that awe and wonder again with with just life and with just creation. Uh, you know, what has God wrought? You know, what this this marvelous this marvelous life, you know, these physical bodies he's given us and, and the things that are, that are, that are firing on all cylinders in our brains are just, I mean, the awe and wonder for me is there. It's there. And, and I think it's important to, to recapture that awe and wonder in education. All right. We will pick this up on the other side. We're up against it. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. 
Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are shining the light of truth on the educational landscape throughout America. And part of that light is uh, is discovering, you know, what is happening in the instruction in the classroom. I know a lot of times we focus on the indoctrinational side of things, you know, because that happens. It, It happens. Obviously, you know that. We all know that. We've covered it here at length. That in public schools, there is, you know, this massive wave of indoctrination in all sorts of areas. But, you know, additionally, what what does the actual academic side, you know, look like? You know, what, how is technology used in in the classroom? Is it extensive? Is it, you know, all technology all the time? I mean, I think these, these are good questions that, that we have to ask. um, and And I think we have to ask them, in the light of of studies such as this one out of Norway, uh, you know, there's to me there's nothing better than um, than just good old fashioned education. I mean, just good old fashioned education. And this, you know, this is why if, if people ask me, I'm going to tell them uh, either homeschool if you can, or get yourself in a classical Christian school. I mean, to me, that that is it. Uh, classical Christian school is uh, a very close second to homeschooling. You know, obviously, you know, homeschool, you get that connection, you know, parent and child. Uh, and, and you just, you know, you, you strengthen the family. If you, if you can't pull that off, though, a classical Christian school is 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 where you want to be. And it's just important to to know what's happening academically in the classroom. I, I think it's, you know, I, I suggest all the time, contact your local schools, find out what they're teaching, mm-hmm. um, you know, but additionally, find out how they're, how they're teaching it, you know, in light of this study, what, what type of, of technology, uh, you know, what's the, uh, what's the consistency of it? Just good questions, good questions to ask. Now, uh, if you're a homeschool family, obviously you don't have to call the teacher and ask them that question because you're in charge. You are the teacher. What you do need to be aware of, though, if you're a, if you're a homeschool family, you have to be aware of the law. You have to be aware of the law of, in your state and and the rights that are given to you in your state. And even now more than ever, right now, if you are a homeschool family, you've got to keep your head on a swivel. You, you've got to be you've got to be paying attention uh, because a lot of times the, the the local district, the local school district, uh, is not paying attention, and then they might you know blame you for that, or they are, and they're still going to you know come after you. I'm not trying to scare you if you're a homeschool family, but I'm just telling you you've got to you've got to be alert right now. Uh, you know, as as more and more families are exiting the public school system and and choosing uh, Christian classical schools and choosing to homeschool, these you know these entities, these areas of education are going to be in the spotlight. 
I'm, I'm, I'm looking at an article here from our friends at the at the Herzog Foundation. So they they have a publication called The Lion, and uh, I mean it's 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 a it's a it's a great source if if you're interested in 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 knowing what's going on. Uh, go to readlion.com, and again, it's through the uh, the Herzog Foundation. Uh, this article is called Minnesota School District Harasses Homeschool Family with Threats of Police Visitation. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not just happening in Minnesota. It's, it's going to start happening more and more everywhere. A Minnesota homeschool mom discovered a disturbing package from her local Minneapolis area school district last fall when her family returned from a national fencing tournament. Because when you homeschool, I mean, you can do that sort of cool stuff. You can get your children in fencing, and then they can go to national fencing tournaments. How many public schools have fencing? I mean, I, I don't have fencing here at Waterbrook. I would love to have fencing. I'm going to make a note. If there are any any Waterbrookians listening is there some way we can uh, we can get fencing on the docket? Let's just uh, I've I've made myself a note. I'm going after fencing. Oh man, how cool is that? I love it. All right, so this mom uh, brings her family back from a national fencing tournament to find a disturbing package on her front porch. Tanya Lockwood says, "Until this year, they never sent us anything." Tanya has homeschooled her two boys since 2018, 1921. So there's, you know, five or six years. I got to do the math on my fingers. So for five or six years, uh, Tanya Lockwood has not heard from the local school district, period. And all of a sudden, uh, she says there were rumors about changes in paperwork. Then suddenly I had this huge package or packet from the district with all these homeschool forms to fill out. Oh, okay. You got to, all right, you got to fill out these forms. Uh-huh. Because we're from the government and you've got to fill out forms. Lockwood contacted our friends at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association immediately. So homeschool families, that is your, that is your first line of defense. Defense is in the name, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, uh, HSLDA. This is the group that you want to reach out to, which Lockwood did. Uh, and uh, the the Homeschool Legal Defense Association told her the forms provided were optional according to the state's homeschool law. Oh, so, so it's optional. All right. The district is breathing down her neck, telling her, you, you got to fill out these forms. There's a pile of forms. There's a pile of paperwork here. You got to fill these out. Uh, but homeschool legal defense, you know, association, they they, they come around and they say, mm, yeah, not so fast. State law says this is optional, so this is important stuff to know if you're a homeschool family, and it, you can't be expected to to know every single law that's on the books. But you've got groups like the homeschool legal defense association. That's their job. That's their job to know every law in the books. And if they don't know, they're going to do the research for you and they're going to figure it out. Uh, so they they tell her, you know, it's optional. However, following all necessary, re however, following all necessary requirements didn't stop the district 
from sending a threatening letter to Lockwood when she skipped the filing notice. All right, so she takes uh, HSLDA's advice. It's optional, I'm not filling it out. The, the time deadline has come and gone. And what does the district do? Well, they send a, a, a threatening letter because they feel like, and we're just gonna you know, use some language in this letter and the parents are gonna buckle. They're gonna buckle under the pressure of threat from this government entity. Uh, however, you know, Lockwood was not that parent. Uh, the letter stated she was, quote, not in compliance with compulsory school attendance rules. Uh, the next steps include filing truancy charges, the letter warned. That's, that's pretty threatening. Either you fill out this paperwork or uh, we're going to file truancy charges. The police of the city you reside in will also be contacted. An officer will visit your home to ensure your child is safe and being cared for adequately. Oh, okay. So it's under the guise of safety. We need to make sure that you as a parent are not abusing your child while you're homeschooling them. So we're going to send the police to your door. They're going to knock on your door and they're going to they're going to make you feel like a criminal. That's that's essentially what what's happening here. You're going to feel like a criminal in your own home. Uh, as more families choose to homeschool nationwide, public school districts are taking increasingly aggressive steps to follow up by making unwarranted contact with the parents. Unwarranted, uninvited. Uh, HSLDA's website noted 137 reports of these contacts over a 30-day period last year alone. 137 throughout the country. So this is not an isolated case. This isn't a one and done in, in Minnesota. Th this type of activity is, is beginning to happen more and more throughout the country. And of course, it's going to happen. You know, teachers unions are, are upset that they're losing dollars. School administrators are upset that they're losing dollars. Every student that leaves the public school is a dollar sign that exits with them. You can hear the 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 ka-ching cash register. You know, as, as as money leaves, it's not money coming in; it's money leaving, and that's that's what they're most upset about. And as they as they lose money, their their grip on power diminishes, their their power base decreases with every student that leaves. It's not about education. I, I promise you. Now, I, I'm for, for teachers. It is there are teachers in the public school building. For them, it's about education, and there are some administrators and principals. I know some of them. For them, it is about education. I'm talking about the hierarchy. I'm talking about, you know, the the the, the people in charge of, of the funds, the funding, and that that's what they see. They 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 see dollars, and they're not happy about students leaving. And when students leave, uh, you know these individuals in charge—they're gonna—they're gonna dial up the heat a little bit. And if it means threatening a parent with truancy charges, threatening a parent with a, a visit from the police department uh, to make sure that the child is being safe and 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 well cared for, yeah, um, you know, to to make the the parent feel like they're a criminal in their own home, then they're willing to do this. 
137 times last year, according to uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Uh, Scott Woodruff, who I, I, I seem to quote here a lot, he's the Director of Legal and Legislative Advocacy at uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He says, in most school districts, officials have a moderately good understanding of homeschool law. Those who don't, once they begin making unlawful de demands, might ramp up these demands with no end in sight if the family does not put their foot down. All right. So he's saying, you know, for the most part, school districts understand homeschool laws, but there are some who don't understand. And they're going to make decisions, and, and they think these decisions are right. They're going to continue ramping it up, apparently 137 times last year. Or or it might be, you know, that they do understand the homeschool law. It might be. It, it possibly might be that they do understand the law perfectly well. But yet they're going to apply pressure on the parent anyway. I mean, there are public school teachers who do not feel you as a parent are qualified to teach your child. I, I read the quote to you yesterday. I mean, the Washington Post can get out there and find them. They they quoted a, a, a school teacher in Florida. I read it to you yesterday where she says, uh, I, I, I question the education. I question if there's any education happening at home. That, you know, parents don't have, they don't have what it takes. They're not certified. They don't have the skill set. They can't teach math and English and, and proper writing and and proper indoctrination. I mean, oops, I I I, I didn't mean to say that part out loud. Uh, this is the this is the feeling. Uh, other examples from different states. I'm back to the article here. Other examples from different states include a two thousand dollar bill just to process homeschool paperwork, or threatening to re-enroll students in public school for non-compliance. Either you fill out this homeschool paperwork or we're going to charge you $2,000 or, or, or we're just going to re-enroll your child for non-compliance, whether you like it or not. The Homeschool Legal Defense Association encourages parents to contact its legal team whenever they encounter situations threatening their right to homeschool. And, and I would second that emotion. Uh, Dave Dentil, who is is the uh, newsletter newsletter editor for the uh, Legal Defense Association, says state law defines the legal steps for beginning to homeschool and what documentation parents must provide when families comply with requests from officials for more than what the law requires. They risk eroding the liberty and privacy of all homeschoolers. Because if the people in charge can, you know, if you give them an inch, they're taking a mile. You know, if you start doing more, if you start acquiescing more than what the law requires you to acquiesce, then the people on the other side are like, yeah, well, we got them to do this, then we can get them to do that. And then we can get them to do the other. And we'll just keep getting them and getting them and getting them until they're little puppets on our strengths. Uh, and, and if you don't think that's what's happening, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you if you if you if you haven't come to that realization yet. Oh, Dean, you just sound like a conspiracy theorist. I I get it. I know I sound like that a lot, uh, and it's unfortunate that um, 
that what 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 was once a conspiracy theory is now actual reality unfolding before our very eyes. Uh, when Lockwood received the threatening letter, she again reached out to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, where she's also a member. It was a good move on her part. Be a member if you're not a member. If you're a homeschool family, become a member. Uh, they don't pay me. I'm, I'm not on their payroll. I'm just, I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it. A few hours after one of the nonprofit's attorneys emailed the district's officials explaining how Lockwood had complied with homeschool law, the family received an apology letter from the school. The quick turnaround comforted Lockwood, although she wished the district hadn't taken such a hostile stance after her years-long record of complying with state regulations. Yep, agreed. Uh, but it's important to have um, have friends in your corner, uh, friends like the Homeschool Legal Defense Association in your corner. Uh, friends like the Herzog Foundation in your corner. We need to stick together, friends. And if we're going to take education back, you know, we need to do it uh, as a community. We need to do it as as a collective unit. No, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to, to sound like I'm a collectivist. I mean, in unison, in, in one movement, in our voices, we go about it however we want to individually. But you know, let's let's join forces. Let's let's stick together, because we can take it back. We can take education back, and and I and I see it happening. We are, and it's encouraging, and it's fun to watch unfold. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to be behind this microphone and to be a part of it. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the dean's list. Let's unite to renovate the age.